Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm guest bailiff Monty Belmonte from 93.9 The River, WRSI in Northampton, Massachusetts, in for Jesse Thorne. The case, split-screen decision. Raj brings the case. He and his girlfriend Sarita enjoy watching movies and TV together. Sarita is an aspiring filmmaker who often suggests classic or arthouse films for their time together. Raj says her picks might be classic, but that doesn't always mean they're enjoyable. Who should direct their viewing? Only one man can decide. Please rise as the Honorable Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. The important thing is that because you are both wrong and because you are both right and because I want this experiment to last, I sentence you both to watch the third man this Sunday, no questions asked, as soon as you are sworn in by Monty Bailiff Belmonte. Raj and Sarita, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Or maybe you can't handle the truth. Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men, American Film Institute, 29th most memorable movie quote of all time. Can you handle the truth? I can. I can handle the truth. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling? Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life? Uh, at least this weekend, yeah. We already have watched The Third Man, but okay. <laughs> Which I made him watch, but yes. Thank you both. Judge John Hodgman, you may proceed. Uh, hello, uh, Raj and Sarita. Um, who brings this case before this court, please? I do, Raj. Okay, Raj. And uh, yes. who uh, is fiddling with their uh, empty Diet Coke uh, uh, drink cup? Guilty. All right. That would be our, our extra special secret uh, guest expert witness, Mr. John Darneal of the Mountain Goats. Uh, we had such fun with him uh, uh, last week when he had a reason to be here. We decided we would allow him to come in and opine as a guest witness uh, this week where he, I think, equally has reason. Because, John, you like movies, right? I do. Uh, I, I, I worry that I have an ill bias on this one because I like mainly movies that most people think of as pretty bad. Okay, fantastic. Then we're, then we're off to the races, uh, which is uh, uh, an old uh, Marx Brothers movie. Not actually. <laughs> Not actually. Then it's a day of the races for all of us. Uh, so now, Raj and Sarita, for a, an immediate summary judgment in your favor, can you name the specific piece of popular culture that I was paraphrasing as I entered the courtroom? I cannot, no. No, I can't. No, you cannot. This is perhaps the most meta pop culture reference uh, we have made so far on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I was paraphrasing Judge John Hodgman. Oh. Verdict number 17, <laughs> named Parents Just Don't Understand, going way back into the vault uh, when I heard the case between uh, a father and his daughter and the daughter being mad that her dad was trying to force her to watch all these classic movies all the time instead of letting her just do her homework, which is what she claimed to prefer to do instead. And I said that she should shut up, daughter, and enjoy this time with your dad before you become an adult and watch all the movies that he wants you to watch after you have seen the movie that everyone should see, The Third Man. <laughs> Am I right, Sarita? Yes. Okay, so obviously movie. you and I agree. What is wrong with your relationship? Well, um, I a lot of the movies that I get him to watch aren't even art house, really. I think that he would enjoy them, but for whatever reason or other, I th the only one that he actually did like was The Third Man. 
ironically. So, so the problem, know, and, and that's the one I didn't think he would like. But yeah, and um, which I showed that to him because I, it was. But the other ones, I just thought that they would, you know, they would appeal to his sensibility, and he might like them. But he didn't. So, so. Raj, you're bringing this complaint because you think that your girlfriend, um, who obviously has very good taste in movies, is making you watch good movies, and you hate that. Watching movies that are supposed to be good. All right, go on. Uh, they're not necessarily movies that I would like. They're just movies that she feels are supposed to be good. Maybe they got a bunch of awards or Ow. maybe they were nominated for Oscars and that sort of thing. Maybe they got a bunch of awards and people yeah. like them a lot. Maybe people just, I don't know and don't like them. Maybe they're just them, exemplars you know? of the cinematic art, but I mean, are they Porky's 3? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly my point. You like those Porky's movies? Oh, yeah. They're Canadian. So am I. So can't complain. All right, Raj. What, um, what other terrible Canadian '80s raunch movies do you enjoy? <laughs> Meatballs. That's a I've good movie. A, That's a good a movie. Very what are you visceral right? taste in movies. I just enjoy movies for you know a fun ride. I, I'm not necessarily looking for like. Oh, um, I hate that. Interesting dialogue and emotion. I know that I'm supposed to be Im- impartial here, but I have to say you have just hit upon one of the courts. Greatest pet peeves, people who say, I'm just look when I go to the movies, I'm just looking for a fun ride. You know why I hate that, Raj? Why? There are things in life called fun rides. <laughs> they exist at amusement parks, you go on them, and they're fun. I don't, you don't need a, you don't need to go to a movie to have a fun ride. You go on a fun ride to have a fun ride. A movie can provide, of course, a fun ride. But I think that it has an obligation to provide something more because it can't add what a fun ride can add, which is animatronic birds singing songs and, you know, loop-de-loops and, uh, you know, other people screaming and pouring soda on you. Sure. I mean, a movie can be more than that. But if I feel like it's just, you know, people talking about their problems, it gets kind of boring for me. It's not, though. I've shown him movies that I thought. I will have order. I will have order. I will have order. I will have order. Sarita, is that true? I've shown him movies that I thought that he would consider a fun ride, and he didn't like them for whatever reason or other. All right, what were the movies that you picked as a fun ride for Raj? True Romance. Okay. Raj, what's the problem there? Uh, I felt it was dated and not too much happened. Oh, sure. Right, Porky's 3. Got it. Dated. Sorry about that. A little little dated, wasn't it? Okay, go on. What is another one you showed him that he, he should have liked but didn't? Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone. What about that, Raj? That's that is basically an amusement park ride of a movie. I enjoyed parts of the movie, but the movie as a whole, I didn't find interesting. I like the parts where I was going up, and then I was going down, and then I was going up. But I, then after a while, like uh, Kathleen Turner said words, and I was like, "This <laughs> takes me. This takes me out of the moment." All right, what well, else? It had, a, it had a few good scenes that I liked. That's about it. All right. I, I wouldn't watch it again. Okay. You know what? Probably I wouldn't either. Go on. Another one? Yeah. Oh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, you're really you're really picking some of the uh, sort of the respectable ones, Sarita. The respectable thrill rides, right? Yes, that's what I was trying. Yes. Yeah. How come? Why is it important that it be respectable? Well, there are ones that I liked. I mean, Romancing the Stone was from my childhood, and I, I have right. fond memories. And I, it was always a lot of fun for me, and I thought it was funny. Yeah. True romance, I thought he would just enjoy, you know, because, yes, they're fun rides, but they're also quality, so yeah. you get something out of it. Don't you have, is, is there any garbage that you like? Pure garbage? 
No, oh, yeah. she doesn't like movies that are garbage. She has to have awards. It has to have nominations at least. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you just mad? Yes. And angry because your girlfriend has taste? Like, no, I'm so mad that my girlfriend only likes good things. She, or are you saying that she's, are you saying, sir, that she is shallow in the sense that she only likes movies if they have been vetted and approved by some Frenchmen in Cannes, etc.? Which is it? Hold on one moment. Oh, maybe, Getting maybe. a Skype error here. There's a problem with this call. Hold <laughs> on while they try to get the call back. Well, I, I, is I, anybody else on the line? I'm here. Raj, are you there? Okay, the problem seems to be with Raj. John Darnell, are you there? I am still here. Right. I'm calling I'm Raj just... back. While we're waiting for Raj to reconnect, let's turn it over to John Darnell with Bad Movie Minute. John? So I'd like to say that uh, not a lot of people know this, but apparently an editor at Wikipedia does. Uh, the original Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, my personal favorite of the Silent Night, Deadly Night series. The filmmakers, according to Wikipedia here, say they were paid a dismal amount of money to make the film. Originally, they say... They were told to re-edit the first film and pass it off as a sequel. The director said he insisted that a new film be shot, though he did not have the budget to create an entirely new story. The director on the commentary track claims they tried to find Eric Freeman to participate for the commentary track, but the director claims he is untraceable. Freeman's current whereabouts remain a mystery. This I consider this sort of backstory is to me the, the standard of whether a film is worth watching or not. Well, I think I think this is another case for the urbane mustachio detective Judge John Hodgman <laughs> to take a quick absinthe bath and go on go the hunt to find out. <laughs> now, Raj, this is a this is a this is a director that you would hate, right? Because this is the guy who's like, they're like, you just uh, just take this money and recut the first movie and call it. Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, but he was like, no, I have standards. I want to make a second film. I've got to admit, if I was that director, I probably would have taken the money. You probably would have just taken the money, right? And just like yeah. said, you know what, why work? Yeah, exactly. Ra- okay. I would have considered the sequel a mashup of the original. By the way, John Darnielle, thanks for, thanks for pinch hitting with yet another one of your secret podcasts within my podcast. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm very happy about it. Raj, what is your favorite movie? Crank 2 High Voltage. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Second favorite. <laughs> Crank one. Lower voltage. <laughs> Wild applause over here. <laughs> uh, second favorite. This I like the sting. The sting. Oh, All right. Yeah. Curveball. I don't believe it for a second, by the way. It's true. I think you spoke your heart with Crank 2 high voltage. Immediately felt... All of us take three steps back from our microphones <laughs> in utter disbelief. It's and you're like, I gotta, I gotta get these, I gotta get these people back. I gotta come up with something. What's a, what's a movie that humans like? <laughs> the Sting, Jackie Gleason, the great one. No, no, that was Sting too. I have two questions for you, and I want you to answer truthfully. Why do you like Crank Two High Voltage? Why is it better than Crank One? Plain. Commonly referred to as Crank. Crank. Um, the thing I like about Crank Two High Voltage is that the filmmakers clearly just abandon all hopes of being serious in any attempt at a plot and just say, we want to shoot this scene, wouldn't it be crazy? And it's just pure entertainment. It's, you don't have to think about why things are happening. It's just fun. It does um, sound like your kind, of, your kind of picture. It's like they were well, like, why have a story? <laughs> why have anything believable? Let's just shoot some crazy, like, I don't know. Well, that's why I like it better than yeah. the first one. Because right, the first, the first one, one they, they tried a little bit to be believable. They tried a little bit to have a storyline. And the sequel, they're just like, 
you know what? We don't need that anymore. Let's just let's have a chase scene. Did you watch Crank Two High Voltage with Sarita? No, no, she she would not tolerate that movie at all. Well, wait no. a minute. You're looking at movies that she's recommending to you. Why don't you look at movies that? No, why doesn't she watch movies oh, that you recommend to her? I do. I, I show her movies all the time, and usually when I show her a movie, she loves it and does some research on it and is thrilled to see that it got all these awards. Um, examples would be, say, Shaun of the Dead. It's one of my favorite movies. I showed sure. her that, and she loved it. Um, Attack the Block. A lot of British movies there, but... Uh-huh. Well, because um, they have those highfalutin accents. It's like, <laughs> it's basically public television. No wonder she likes it. When we watch movies together and it's a movie that I've picked, usually she loves it. Would you agree that that's true, Sarita? Sometimes. I don't always love everything he shows me. You would not use the word usually? I Usually I do, but oh, okay. there have been some stinkers. <laughs> well, look, John Darnielle, since you're, since you're here, let's just go through. Yeah. Uh, what were the movies that you, uh, uh, American Werewolf in London? A plus. A plus. Okay. Let's go through the ones that we already discussed and then we'll move on. Okay. American Werewolf in London. There was Romancing the Stone. Romancing the Stone, John. Never seen it. Okay. True romance. But I I will say it has an Eddie Grant song in it. So probably A minus at the very lowest. Right. There you go. It has one of the two Eddie Grant songs. So. (laughs) All right. Go on. Oh, true romance. True romance, John. I haven't seen it. All right. Interesting. Um, go on. Give me some more that, that you showed to him that he rejected. That he rejected. Um, he did not like Peter Brook's uh, Mahabharata. He did not like that at all. Good choice. Next. He didn't like Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, I like that movie. John Darnielle, what do you think? I feel like I saw that one on a plane. Uh, yeah, but that's probably true. you don't it at all, do you? Well, here's the thing. My longstanding uh, criterion for whether I'm going to see a movie or not involves whether it has uh, a guy in a hockey mask uh, trying to stab teenagers. If it doesn't, the likelihood that I saw it decreases exponentially. (laughs) (laughs) The question that I posed to Raj, which made him so angry that he stormed off and crashed his own computer, (laughs) was a a provocative question. And I'll, I'll now put it to you. Is Raj angry because you have good taste? Or is he correct that you like movies because they have won awards and have a certain pedigree? Is that more meaningful to you than the movie itself? No, it's not. Okay. Raj? Yes. Is Sarita telling the truth? I don't think so. Okay. What do you think the truth is? Well, when I show her movies that she's never heard of, and she, she'll end up loving them. Um, What's a movie? Not all the time, but pretty often. Like, say, Shaun of the Dead. It's a pretty good Shaun example. Shaun of the Dead. Do you love that movie, Sarita? I do. Okay. But then she, she always has to look up, like, what awards it's won and stuff like that. That does become important in, like, how she thinks of the movie. Is that true, Sarita? No, it's not. I researched the movie because I'm interested in it, and then if it happens to win the awards, I'm interested. I find that intriguing. But it's mostly I'm looking up the who's in it, who made it, the background, the production. Because so. you know, because you know, the movie that wins Best Picture at the Academy Awards every year is really the best movie, right? Yeah, of that well, year. I mean, that's obvious, never right? Recommend a movie that hasn't won a bunch of awards. Every that's movie actually recommends. This is a, a battle between the old criticism and the new criticism in uh, in English. 
that you used to, in the tradition of, of uh, British schooling, when you would learn about a poet or a writer, you'd have to learn who his parents were and how much money he had and, and where he came from and where he was coming from before you read his things. And then all these critics come along in the 50s and say, no, we only care about what's actually on the page, and we don't even care who wrote it or what he's all about. We only care about the text. Right. right? That's, the, and, that's the crank to school of criticism. Electric exactly. boogaloo. Right. So I think when that school came along of thought, people started overdoing it and saying, not only does that not inform whether I like it, I don't want to know any of that stuff. And I think that's an overreaction because some of that stuff can can be fun, you know, to know where the director's coming from or who liked it and why they liked it. You know, that, that kind of stuff can can make the experience of watching the movie more fun. It doesn't have to. I mean, it, it can't. Yeah. It is true that the, 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 the movies that, that Sarita sort of picked – and, and both for Raj to watch and also to highlight uh, her uh, as exemplars of her taste in this podcast. I mean, even American Werewolf in London, that is a pedigreed movie that has been around for a long time. It was made by John Landis. It featured groundbreaking uh, creature effects. Yes. Uh, and sort of ushered in, uh, and it was a respectable horror movie and ushered in a sort of new realm of A-list Hollywood horror movies and a bravura performance by Griffin Dunn. Just as <laughs> of, 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 does he does he ever offer any other kind? <laughs> <laughs> you don't laugh. I love Griffin. When was no, the last? I do too. Jo- I laugh. I mean, I'm one of those people who has you know. I, I will I will put my total viewings of After Hours next to anybody. Well, that's what I was just going to ask, uh, uh, Sarita Raj. Have you seen After Hours? No, but I've heard of it, and I do want to watch it. Yeah, well, no, it was made by a very famous filmmaker, Martin Scorsese, so I'm not surprised you've heard of it. Raj? No, nope, never heard of it. You've never heard of it? Of course not, because it's not, it, was, it does not star Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we may have found, John Darnielle, the third man. Yeah, of, of this of, conversation. Of, of this reprise of verdict number 17. <laughs> this is the peacemaker, because, well... After Hours. John, will you describe this movie? After Hours is about a guy who has a bad night in Soho in uh, in New York, a legendarily bad night. Right. Uh, and uh, it, it's really, it's, it's kind of a masterpiece. I feel like it's Scorsese's first attempt at comedy. Is that right? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge to say, because I'm not sure it's that hilarious. But, but, but <laughs> I think, I think the so... attempts at comedy in it, well, there is one really funny moment. I laugh a lot at that movie, but then again, where where he's trying. So the guy gets stuck. So Griffin Dunn follows a girl downtown and his his money flies out of the taxi window because of the incredible winds that existed (laughs) in New York City in the late 80s. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and so he's stuck downtown uh, and he's trying to get home, which is uptown. And he goes down to the subway and he finds that the fare has been increased from you know, at that point, it was like a dollar to a dollar five or something. Right. At midnight that night. At midnight that night, and he says to the guy, "Can't you just sell me a token? It's five minutes ago. It just went up. Can't you just sell me a token for a dollar? It's all I have." And he goes, "No." And Griffin Dunn goes, "Why can't you? Who will ever know?" And the, and the token booth guy goes, "I could go to a party and get drunk, start talking." <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. That it movie sounds like a good perfect. movie. I, and, I would watch this movie. And for you, Sarita, it is. Uh, it, it not only has a cinematic pedigree and is beautifully shot 
and obviously uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, and uh, in, involves a, uh, a rare uh, non-marijuana-inflected performance by Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This is the ultimate equalizer for you dudes. But it is also a piece of uh, cinema and human history, because it recounts a time in New York City where if you had $20 that flew out of the window of your cab, you could not get home. Hmm. Uh, except by walking, which apparently Griffin Dunn refused to do. <laughs> At any point, he could have just turned north and started walking. Yeah, he never crosses his mind. Right. But there, but there, were, there, were, there were no ATMs, there were no debit cards. And the Soho of this world is, uh, this, uh, is this sort of lawless... Um, uh, world Bohemian Lawless and Bohemian Exactly so So there's an undercurrent Of menace and violence And then also this undercurrent Of like Yeah we can rent 5,000 square feet For a dollar uh, yeah, Make sculpture in and there It's, it's make, a lost Yeah It's uh, a, it's a, a dollar It's a it's, yeah, a, right. it's a picture Yeah it's a, it's a picture Of a lost time so I think that uh, I think that this This may have already Been This whole judgment May have been resolved By that one Amazing uh, movie reference that you made, uh, John Darniel. Well, thank you very much. You're I think those of us who really like were really moved by that mo- by that movie the first time we saw it. It's a sort of a, it's a touchstone, you know. It's like because it wasn't a hugely successful movie, but I think everybody who saw it and loved it sort of became quietly evangelical about it. So it's got that it's got that uh, that uh, that esoteric appeal for you, Sarita, and the everyman uh, uh, crank two appeal for you, Raj. And I bet you there's a way where you could actually, you know, with today's um, uh, video editing software, and I'm not asking you to break any laws, but for your own private enjoyment, you could probably break down after hours and take out all the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Sarita, I would like you to explain to Raj why his favorite movie should not be cranked to high voltage. I think that your favorite movie should be something that moved you emotionally or changed your perception somehow, as opposed to just mindless, mind-numbing entertainment. That's why Crank 2 should not be your favorite movie. I I get that you appreciate the non-pretensions of the filmmakers, but I don't know. I I get the feeling that they weren't really, they didn't really have that mindset when they were making it. They probably just were looking for, yeah please crowds and get money. And Sarita, you're a, movie, you're a movie maker, right? Yes. What I kind am. of movies do you make? Um, right now I'm, I'm in the process. Right now I'm working on Crank 5. Yes, I'm working on Crank <laughs> 5 right now. <laughs> uh, we're adding a parkour element to it. <laughs> so it's a, little bit, it's, a, it's a little bit dated, I realize. But uh, now what are you working on now? I'm working on several writing projects. Um, I'm writing um, a feature with a producer and a director, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm writing some of my own features. Um, I'm working on a few shorts of my own as well, okay. and a web series. So, Are you primarily a screenwriter, or are you also uh, direct uh, movies? I am a screenwriter. I, I will only direct my own stuff. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Um... It's a cross between... No crosses. No crosses. Uh-oh. Okay. Unless you're pitching me a movie that you're going to make. Yeah, oh, it's a cross feast. between Crank 5 and After Hours. <laughs> <laughs> Babette's Feast. Babette's Feast. Yes. Boy, oh boy. Uh-huh. You know, here's the thing. I like good movies, Sarita. I'm with you on this. Mm-hmm. I used to work at the Coolidge Corner, what we called then Movie House. It's now called Coolidge Corner Theater and Coolidge Corner, Brookline, Massachusetts. 
which showed only repertory, old and artsy films. And I saw a lot of amazing movies there because I got to see them for free. And uh, I saw uh, Le Souffle Cur. What else did I see? I saw Chocolat, the original, the Chocolat. What else did I see? Crazy. Oh, I saw all the Marx Brothers movies, all Woody Allen movies. Uh, I saw all the Woody Allen movies when I was seven years old, so my mind was warped. <laughs> right? We showed that Babette's Feast. I must have had 500 opportunities to see that for free. I could not bring myself to see that movie. Really? Why? Is that a good movie? Is that really good? Should I see it? I like it. I think you should. You like it? It's your favorite. Yes, it's my favorite. you got to convince me of this. Because it shows how earthly pleasures like food can also be spiritual pleasures. And I thought that was... But I did it in a really... Um, just a really kind of sweet and touching way. And it's Danish or something? Uh, yes, Danish right? and French, yes. And it's about some, some somebody dies and she holds a feast... It's like a funeral thing, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's about um, it's about a, a, sh- a cook who works for these two puritanical women, and she wins the lottery, and she decides to go back to live in Paris. Oh, okay. She says, I'll, I'll make you guys like a really beautiful meal as a thank you for taking me in, and, and they don't want to do it because it's against their religion, but they can't turn down such a nice gesture. And then she gets injected with an experimental drug, and like she has 10 days to live <laughs> until she... Murders an ape or something? Yes, and then... Um, right, and, then she and she becomes an ultimate joins. fighter of some kind? She becomes like a kickboxer? She joins Jason Statham on an ultimate ride, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're really, but you're really twisting the knife on Raj with this one by saying, but, but like, he, if he's at, honestly, like, if he's at Crank 2 and you're at Babette's Feast, I don't know, it's like this, like, what, what do you got, what do you have in common, guys? Oh, there's a total meeting point, though, with Motel Hell. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> Look, Griffin Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's all kinds of movies. This isn't, Doug, this isn't Doug Love's movies, okay? <laughs> this is not, this is not a, that... But I, I actually have never seen Motel Hell, but I remember that poster very much. Yeah, it's about it's like some people who own a hotel and they make sausage out of the guests. And yeah. So it's like, a, you know... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But what do you guys, what do you, what, you know, now, now, now the judgment is like, do I force these people to watch after hours? The question now is whether I force you guys to stop seeing each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. There's all kinds of movies we enjoy watching together. Most of the ones I pick for us to watch together, she really enjoys. Yeah, but I don't believe that for a second. Like, she's, just being, she's just being Oscar. nice. All right, Sarita, you're just being nice, right? Um, actually, no. He has showed me a couple of movies, which I've added to my top ten list. All right, what are those? Like, give me one. Um, Spirited Away. Yeah. Now, wait a minute, Raj. Spirited Away? That is not a Jason Statham movie. It's a fun experience, though. Stop it. Stop it. You're lying. You're lying. You're lying. If you had told me Akira in the Japanese anime world... Then I would say, yeah, that's a crazy visual feast. I get it. That's a thrill ride. That's a that's a thing. I'm sure there are a lot of people who argue there's a deep meaning and blah 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 blah. Right? But Spirited Away, it's a it's a beautiful movie. It's a slow movie. It's a graceful movie. And it is a movie almost exclusively about the uh, the coming of age of a young girl. Told in very sort of elliptical 
sort of episodic little moments of weirdness. This is not like, the kind of movie you like. I like the weirdness. You were moved by this? I, I really, I very much enjoyed that movie. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how much you enjoy seeing flashy things and guns fire and things jump. Because that's not what you're getting from this movie. The question was, were you moved by it in your heart? Uh, what I perceive to be my heart, yeah. In, your cr- <laughs> in the cranked up super muscle that you call your heart? Yes. What moved you about it? Um, her connection with the, um, I believe his name was No-Face. Yes. Um, her connection with that spirit, um, I found very interesting. How she was very um, polite and welcoming to him. And to the point where it, like, it was a threat to everybody else but her. And I really liked the relationship they had. To the point where even after him as a threat was over, he would still follow her around and accompany her on her journey. Well... I think you got something out of that movie, didn't he, Sarita? He did, All yes. Right. So what is it you want, Raj? I, I want um, a kind of success-based system for picking movies. So if oh, I pick brother. movies that both of us enjoy very often, I should get to pick more often. If she has a poor track record of picking movies that both of us will enjoy, maybe she shouldn't get to pick as often what we both watch. But that's very subjective. Yes, yes it is. I mean, it requires you both to be very honest about whether or not you enjoyed a movie. I feel we're already pretty honest, but maybe I'm wrong. Sarita, would you trust such a system to work? The problem is, is he's always going to end up picking the movies. <laughs> so, no. So I you admit it. <laughs> well, no, because but it, you, if you have a more open mind, then as a matter of practicality, he will end up picking more movies. Yes. What would you counter would be a more fair system, Sarita? Well, I think it's really the only system that's going to work because I, I can't seem to figure out what he likes. I've, I've tried showing him all sorts of movies and even ones that I, I think he's going to like, he doesn't. So you, you are taking this out of my hands and saying that you agree to his... Well, I think that he should... That we should performance-based system? I think he should open his mind. I'm saying that his system is the only one that's going to work, but in an ideal situation, I think that he should stop being so fussy when he's watching and just try to appreciate. Yeah, but, you know. he, yeah, but his mind has been poisoned by the crank. Like, he can't, he can't, I was going to say he can't sit still, but if he's watching Spirited Away. There's still people yeah. eating people and all sorts of grossness in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's an intense movie. People eating people. Well, go seating people. Did you show him the cook, the thief, the wife, and her lover? No, I didn't. I'm not sure he would like that very much, Peter Greenway. <laughs> I don't think it's something that would be his cup of tea. But it involves people eating people. No, spoiler alert. Uh, the cook and the thief part sounds good, but then it's just to sound boring. <laughs> Could it just be cook and thief? <laughs> All right, I think I have everything I need to make my decision. I'm going into my chambers now. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Raj, do you view movies and filmmaking as an art form in any way? Or is it simply mass consumption like fast food for you? Um, sometimes it's an art, but a lot of times it's just uh, fast food. It seems to me that, that anytime somebody views film as art, that you take umbrage with that and that you, you write it off. Are there any art films that you do feel like did win an award and I honestly had a thrill ride reaction to? I, I don't know because I don't know which films won awards. I don't track that at all. 
what about you, Sarita? Do you are there films or like filmmakers, Tarantino, for example, who has a, a great deal of respect in the filmmaking world, but also is that thrill ride adventure? Many people in pop culture are used to the kind of movies that Quentin Tarantino makes and go and see them. You know, it doesn't even have to be awards. It can be just that they've they've thought about it more than just mindless entertainment. They've they've you know the mise en scène and um, they've tried to move people emotionally, move them. You know, so yeah, I think that you can have this thrill ride, but still, you know, kill Bill. That was emotionally touching. Look, and that didn't win any awards. Kill Bill. Sorry, too. sorry, sorry to break in from Chambers there, Sarita. You've already got a lot of credit with me. All right, you don't want to blow it by start throwing around terms like mise en scène, okay? Because okay. that could be an immediate summary judgment if I hear something like that again. All right. All right. John Darnell, anything to add to our two guests in the courtroom? Uh, you know, I was going to say like, that you should maybe. Pick an award that you feel is the best of the awards, and then only if the film has won, say, the Golden Bear, do, do you watch it. This arbitrary. Uh, that or the Fangoria film of the year, maybe? Ah. Yes, that would work, I think. <laughs> yeah, Fangoria is great. You, you, you will live to regret the Golden Bear film of the year after about three years. <laughs> <laughs> Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. It's a it's a difficult one, you know, because as you know from uh, those who listened to the last uh, verdict, there is a long-standing precedent. You cannot force people to like the things you like. But in this case, it's not just a question of you know I want Raj to like this kind of movie or I want Sarita to like this kind of movie. It's like we need to decide what we're going to watch tonight after dinner. And Raj has suggested something that I think is pretty revolutionary: this idea of a performance-based recommendation system, essentially Netflixing uh, the entire choice algorithm, which is that the more times he picks something that they both like, the more times he gets to suggest the next movie. And the more times she picks something that they uh, don't both like, the fewer times she gets to pick the next movie. Now, one could sit down and do the math and write a program to make this happen. And you could have a star rating system or whatever else. And all looks good on paper, but it'll never work, guys. It'll never work. The obvious reason. Sarita has good taste. Uh. <laughs> Raj has terrible taste. He tried to tried to get it back. Tried to get it back by dropping Brazil and Spirited Away, both good movies. But if anything, Raj, what you did, you proved to me that you need this kind of education in your life because you still put Crank 2 top of the list. <laughs> Without hesitation. Without hesitation. <laughs> a, fatal, a fatal choice. The pure Rorschach of the back of your mind cinema. Have you seen Crank it? 2. No, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it, Raj, but here's, what I, here's the thing. What you, what you seem to be looking for and valuing in culture most of all is it makes me feel a certain way. It makes me feel all cranked up. In this case, it's like I like going on a thrill ride. And you're not wrong. Thrill rides are thrilling. That's the name. Right. But if you, and I've found this, uh, learned this the hard way, if you constantly chase the same experience that you get from one movie really well and you don't you're not open to other experiences that movies might create if you constantly chase that you get yourself further and further down into increasingly narrow 
niche rat hole of cranks two, three, four, five imitators yeah. of cranks straight to video, weird, like dumb parkour movies and and like stuff where, you know, yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. You just get you just get more like, and I'm talking as a guy who, in between podcasts today, basically spent my entire time looking at the covers of 1980s era Defenders yeah. comic books. Like, there is a kind of twitch, twitchy addict crank culture that is very much a part of our lives these days now that we have access via the internet to everything where we just are constantly searching for the next fix of that thing we liked the last time, right? And when the the thing that you like is sort of a thrill ride, you can feel it in yourself. You're even, you're getting sick because now you're like, oh, I don't even want any plot. That plot just bothers me. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I crank two is better. There's no plot. You know what I mean? There's not even any pretense of plot. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what, what you're doing then is you're, you, you are, you are filling a lot of your time with stuff that gives you an increasingly, or I should say decreasingly potent kick. Right. But you're not, right absorbing culture and if you're not really at any at any point in your life being challenged by culture or or discovering something new or whatever else there are a lot of better times to be spending your time instead of watching those dumb movies over and over and over again you know what i mean now look I sarita sarita i like her a lot i really do i look forward to watching your movies thank you you said me's on scent okay I think that you can be a little pretentious. That's all I'm saying. Just easy, easy on the mise en scene. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. But I will say this. The reason why your system will never work is because Sarita has good taste. Because she is, and good taste I, I define by being open-minded and being willing to say that's good when it's good or that's not good when it's not good. But also being willing and open to new experiences from movies, even if they're Babette's Feast which I, you know, I should have seen and will now go and see. And so I'm afraid, although I think your idea is really interesting, I think it would be bad for you as a couple. I think it would be bad for you as a person. I don't think it would just ultimately not work properly. Okay? So there's only one way to do this. You can go the Darniel method, which is to establish a third party who will choose films for you, uh, either by design or by default, Fangoria Film of the Year plus Golden Bear. I think you both end up hating the movies that you love very quickly <laughs> and will then figure out things that you like together. Or what you can do is you can write down uh, a list of 10 movies that you would like to watch with the other person. And then you combine that list and then you pull a name out of the hat. And that's what you watch, whether you like it or not. My only injunction is that if you do that, and I recommend that you do, it's either that or the Darniel method, by the way. You're not, it's either you each pick 10 movies, put them into a hat, you pick one out, or you do Golden Bear Fangoria Film of the Year. But if you do 10 movies each, put them in a hat, pick it out, you also have to put After Hours in there 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to keep watching After Hours after you see it one time, but I need to stock the pond of that hat to that's mix fair. as many metaphors as possible because I do think that that's one uh, that you'll like together and then the thing is Raj I know that you've got good taste in there because you like Brazil you like Spirited Away you are in many and Sarita you know is a, a fantastic life mate for you because uh, much like uh, much like the heroine of Spirited Away she's being followed around 
by this faceless monster who even when he becomes destructive <laughs> and, and, truly, and truly engorges himself on all of his worst, worst instincts, she's still willing to be there to be your friend. So That's give probably e- why I like that movie so much. Yeah, give each other, give each other some time. See some movies that you do not choose. Uh, force yourself to engage with culture that is not your choice uh, on both sides. Do it equally. And uh, eventually you're going to find, I think, some taste that you enjoy together. That's a great idea. Thank you very much. I agree. It has a certain uh, mise-en-scene, I think. (laughs) (laughs) This is the sound of a gavel. (laughs) Judge John Hodgman rules. uh, Say two. Raj, Sarita, thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. John Darnell, you want to stick around while we clear the docket again? Uh, yes, let's do it. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Judge thank Hodgman. You. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Stitch Fix. You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI. A human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other. This professional stylist picks the clothes... They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, It is an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy to send it back. They give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it. All you have to do is shove the thing in there, close it up, and drop it off at your local mailing center. It is that easy. Can I also say the stuff that my stylist at Stitch Fix picks for me? I really like it. Like, they know me, and it's really terrific. Plus, if you've got small people in your life, sadly, my small people are now adults shopping for themselves. But if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JJHO. That's stitchfix.com slash JJHO. Stitchfix.com slash JJHO. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an Aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, stepmom, a mentor, friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life. Aura frames are the way to go. Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, that's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an aura frame. Oh. <laughs> what I love about the aura frame is 
you don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog, uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children. Uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't right. even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house or all of them. Uh, it is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, it is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use the code Hodgman at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us. This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. All right, class. Tomorrow's exam will cover the science of cosmic rays, the morals of art forgery, and whether or not fish can drown. Any questions? Yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> Come on into my chambers, uh, John and Monty. I'm, I'm just screening uh, Haute Tension, the uh, Alexandra Asia uh, French horror movie that's a ripoff of Dean Koontz's Intensity. Get it's, the, it's the lowest and the highest at the same time. I saw version two of that movie, which was high voltage, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Let's clear the docket, shall we? Mark with a K writes, Should documents be filed in chronological order from oldest to newest or from newest to oldest? My oh, job requires me to locate documents from a specific month or day at a moment's notice in a system of hundreds you know, of files gonna, and thousands gonna, of individuals. I'm going to stop you right there. I don't think there's any way that this guy can make this question exciting through his life experience. <laughs> well, just you wait. I believe that the oldest to newest approach to filing is predominant and should be the standard. In the English language and in much of the world, books are arranged with oldest records at the front and newest in the back. 
My colleague uses the contradictory approach of filing documents, newest to oldest, such as how the Torah or a Japanese text is arranged. This approach creates confusion among those not expecting to encounter it. The confusion is heightened when no, both no, no, systems... No, well, I was, I was so wrong because it has gotten so exciting. He's <laughs> raised so re- reference I'm to so Torah glad. and Japanese uh, all right, culture. You know, but it, what it comes down to is when you're filing something, what are you, oldest to newest? Oldest to newest or newest to oldest. When you put it in the back of a... And, and Mark with a K wants an injunction to standardize the filing system. He's oldest to newest. Well, first of all, he sh- this shouldn't even be on the docket because Mark with a K is fighting with the world. Not just, he doesn't have someone else. He, there's no other disputant except the world as far as he's concerned. Well, right? what do you think the world's, how do they organize it? Put it in the back of a book when you're organizing files or in, uh, right on the top? Uh, I put, uh, new. I do newest to oldest in my files. I would do it oldest to newest. Uh, obviously, the answer is all document filing must be completely random because that's going to be the law anyway. That's true. What about alphabetical? John? No. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> if you have a file of correspondence. Right. Right. In a manila file folder. Right. Right. Which you have put into a hanging file system. Right. right? And you have a document in there, which is my, my correspondence. With John Darnielle. I have a number of letters from you. Right. I have a number, I have, or I've received a number of letters from John Darniel asking ridiculously for his royalty on this free podcast. <laughs> right. And I have those in there and I get a new one. Right? right. And I'm like, I've read it. I stamped it as read. Now I'm going to put it where? In the back of the manila envelope or the manila folder or the front of the manila folder? My, well, vote, my vote is back. My vote is back too. I did. It's, it's kind of an alien question to me because me, I'm putting it in a box, literally in a box. Yeah. I'm going to just drop it on top. Every right. time I open up the box, right. the letter's going to go in. You're, and then when I go through them someday, it will be a glorious melange you're, of, you're, of letters, <laughs> new and old. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Thank you. It, it'll be a, quite a really compelling mise yeah. en scene. You're, thro- you're, throwing things, throwing things, you're throwing things into a cigar box and then you're kicking that cigar box down a well. I understand. That is literally actually what I am doing with all of my valuable documents every day of my life. Well, this this most exciting episode of Judge John Hodgman clearing the docket must go to, I think, uh, majority rule. Yes. Monty and I, who keep files, would put the new document in the back of the manila folder. And I would argue from a from a person who does his own filing there's a reason and someone who used to be a, an assistant and used to file a lot of stuff for other people there's a reason for it because physically it's easier to get that thing into the back of the file than it is to get it into the front because you just pull back all the older stuff and you shove the new thing right in whereas if you Physically, it's just, I can't even describe how you would do it. And I think of it as a living history, where it's a history book. You open up that file, you put it on the desk in front of you, you open the top of the manila folder, there's the first document and encounter you've ever had with that person. You flip all the way to the end. Exactly. There's the most recent one that you've had. And if you have a filing cabinet that you're pulling out, and it's not a straight filing cabinet, but a side filing cabinet, and that hanging file cabinet is is at a right angle to you, then it is left to right. uh, No, it's newest to oldest. It's still oldest. It's the way we read in English. To my newest left is uh, a, a giant document, three issues of Decibel magazine, and a boombox. So. Newest to oldest is the answer, <laughs> unless unless you're a rock star, in which case, kick it down a well. <laughs> That's right. And then if you need it, you go into the well. Even if you don't find it, you'll find something interesting. John Darniel, what a treat to have you! Uh, thank you so much for having me. I had the once best again time. as a, as a guest expert witness. 
uh, on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. You will not be returning on the next verdict, um, but uh, I hope that uh, people will go check out your new album, Transcendent Youth. Correct? Transcendental. Transcendental Youth. I apologize so very much. It's quite all right. I like Transcendent, too. I'm I'm good with any any permutation of the idea that that youth have some spirituality to them. And uh, John Darnielle. Would it be uh, would it be fair to say that uh, you are a contributor to one other piece of recorded culture that is coming out very soon? Yes, you can find me on uh, on uh, Judge John Hodgman when he's out of his chambers. Has uh, uh, been known to catalog interesting and vital pieces of information for the for the future good of uh, of the generations to come. And I've uh, I've helped him out with a little musical interlude that lasts uh, several lifetimes. This is for the That Is All audiobook. My book of final complete world knowledge finally available for illiterate people in a red <laughs> audio edition <laughs> featuring uh, featuring uh, uh, some original music by John Darnielle, The Mountain Goats. I really Very I know exciting it's probably to too late for a sticker to go on it, but if you could really say now for illiterate people. On the front. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and we've actually changed the cover of the That Is All audiobook to be just your face now. So That's right. That's plus amazing. with a sticker, now for illiterate people. <laughs> I think it would look really good. I, I like it. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Thank you very much for doing that, John. Thank you very much for having me. I, I enjoyed doing it. That was a fun song to make to do. And when you listen to the whole audiobook, you will know that you're in the good company of Stephen Fry, John Hamm, Rachel Maddow, John Roderick, Jonathan Colton, Brooke Shields, Sarah Vowell, Paul Rudd. You can't go wrong with a list like this. I'm barely on it, so, you, so there's a reason for people to buy it finally. So buy it, whether buy John's audiobook, whether you like John or not. Yeah, buy the John's two pack, Transcendental Youth. <laughs> <laughs> and that is I all. I've a lot of guests on mine too. So whether even if you dislike what we both do, you're guaranteed to love our, our newest things. Right. And Monty Belmonte. I'm, I'm at least name dropped in that book. What's going on with Studio Ghibli? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm what's actually. The news, what's the big news from Studio you know, Ghibli these there's, days? There's nothing. I'm not. I'm not doing anything like that. Yeah. I'm just buzz marketing the movies that you they've like, already come out with. You like the stuff you like, don't I you? Like, we like the stuff we like, and nobody can force it down our throats, although I have been forcing Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki movies down my children's throats because that's why you have children. Exactly. So it is the ultimate buzz marketing power maneuver. It's the absolute best segue imaginable as it is time for my child's dinner, so I need to go help him get things down his All throat. Right. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> Thank you very much again, John, for being a part of the Judge John Hodgman I podcast. I had the best time. Good to meet you, Monty. Good to meet you. Monty, take us out. I've been your guest bailiff, Monty Belmonte, morning host at 93.9 The River, WRSI in Northampton. In for Jesse Thorne. You can find my podcast at WRSI.com. Thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.